right, you guys, you guys can have a seat, and our Redemption kids can head back to be with our team there. And uh, just, I would, I would encourage you, watch these kids as they run back. Just look at them, see them uh, move back, and uh, as you do that, pray for them, right? They are learning about Jesus, just as we are learning about Jesus and singing about Jesus. They're going to be doing the same things downstairs uh, in age-appropriate ways. Uh, so love, love our kids' ministry. So thankful for everyone who serves downstairs. Um, I want to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the uh, book of 1 John. We'll be in chapter 2, starting verse 28, uh, just looking at five verses this morning. If you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 1022. And uh, just a couple of other things. Uh, if you're new to Redemption Hill, uh, we are glad you're here. So let's give it up for all of our first-time guests. Maybe if you haven't been here in a while, we're thankful you're back. Let's give it up. That was kind of weak. That was kind of weak. All right, we have more people in here than that. Let's try again. Let's give it up. Huh? Thank you very much. There we go. And um, for, if you're new or you've never been to what we call Next, it is Next Sunday. And Next is a free luncheon right after the service, 45 minutes, a great way to get connected to other people, meet some of our current, uh, you know, part of our, the people that are part of our family's current leadership, and just learn a little more about the vision and mission of Redemption Hill. So please make plans to stick around. If, if you would, give us a heads up, just so that, because we always pray for like overflow, just so that we have so many people there that it makes it hard on our team. We're out like running out of food. That's what we pray for. Um, but, but you can help us out by letting us know by just saying, hey, I, I, I want to come to next, um, next Sunday. So that's on the, the bottom there of the worship guide and the uh, connect card. Um, and, and then also, before we pray and jump into God's word, I want to recognize a special group of people uh, in our church family, and that would be anyone who has ever served our country, either currently or in the past. If you've worn a uniform, would you stand up so that we can express our gratitude to you for serving our country? Just stand up real quick. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for you uh, as we jump into God's Word. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together, to encourage one another, to sing together, to pray together. Uh, Lord, we recognize that you are the God over all things. You are the one true God. You are the God who is alive. God, thank you that we can sing about the resurrection of Christ today. And Lord, we, we know that you have plans, Lord, from the moment that we were conceived uh, to, to our birth, to our, from our, our younger years, just like these kids running downstairs until today, Lord, you have plans for us. And, and for some of us, you've called to, to serve our, our, our country in a variety of ways. And so God, we give you thanks for each one of these and those that are unable to make it here this morning that are part of our church and, and, and all veterans, Lord, across our, our land. Lord, thank you for their sacrifices and their service and how they protect our freedoms. Lord, we don't take them for granted. Thank you. And Father, we pray that as we open up your word that gives us spiritual freedom, Lord, that we would soak it up, that we wouldn't let this be any, any form of uh, a routine, that it wouldn't just be another Sunday, Lord, that, that, that we would have the attitude, there's no common Sunday around here, that, that you speak to us. And God, if you're speaking to us, wow. Uh, we, we should pay attention. So God, may we lock in with you, even in these moments. God, would you open our hearts to receive? God, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. 
what you want to speak to us. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I love that new song. I'm thankful that uh, Dan led our team to, to lead us in that song. It'll become more familiar. You know what a new song is. It'll become more familiar as we go. But, but how about, like, we're talking about confidence today, all right? We're going to talk about what it looks like to live with confidence. And I don't know about you, but I'm just kind of reasoning through it. If Jesus is alive, if we follow the one who conquered death, then that should give us the greatest sense of confidence, huh, to, to move forward in life. And so I love that we can declare that this morning. And I also love a good song that not only says that something's true, okay, but actually kind of talks smack to the devil and the like, you know, hey, the grave couldn't hold Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Let's hear it again. We have the victory in him. That's good stuff right there. All right, so that's not today's sermon, but it's related because Jesus gives us that kind of confidence. He wants us to live with confidence. You see, John is going to introduce this idea of, of confidence, and confidence is what we need when we face the unknown. Am, am I right? So just, just think about your life, okay? No matter what the task may be, no matter what test is ahead, no matter the challenge or opportunity, okay, it doesn't matter if, you know, that, that challenge is in the workplace, you're about to give a presentation. It doesn't matter if you are doing some kind of domestic project, which is why I procrastinate because I lack confidence, even with like Ikea furniture, you know what I'm saying? I just lack confidence to put those things together. I mean, young men, let me just encourage you, some of you lack confidence. Confidence to ask that girl you've had your eye on on a date, all right? And I'm just saying, we need some confidence, all right? We, we all need a measure of confidence in our lives. I'm sure that you can think about what's happening in your, your week this week. There are some areas where you need confidence. Because see, when we possess confidence, we are looking ahead, not with a sense of fear, but we are looking ahead and we have an expectation that things are going to go well. We can see that task or test ahead and we can actually smile. We can lean into it because we know, hey, we're prepared. We have an ability to get the job done. You see, what I love about God is God is a, a father who wants to instill confidence in our lives. He wants us to have spiritual confidence. This is what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Okay? He said, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Okay? This is like if you're in Christ, okay, this is for you, all right? Such is our confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Don't, don't, don't miss these words. We have confidence before God, through Christ. Not claiming that it is anything from us, but God is the one supplying the confidence, everything that we need. And so there's this alien confidence. There's this form, like in all the gifts of God, by the way, they're given from him to us. And so everything, like Paul goes on to say, actually in, in the first letter to the he's like, what do, we, what do we have that we haven't received? 
It was rhetorical, nothing, all right? So like everything that God has given us is a gift from him. And so what God is asking us to do is to not operate with a sense of self-confidence, okay? Because at minimum, we're going to be shaky in our own confidence. At worst, we're going to see that the destination is not pretty when we operate in a sense of self-confidence. But when we move forward with a God confidence, with a God-given confidence, we're going to have everything that we need for this life. That's really good news. And we're going to have everything we need as we step into the next life. And that's what John is writing about. His primary encouragement for us this morning is to live with confidence in Christ until we meet Christ. And this comes in the very first couple of verses of our passage. So if you would, just read these verses with me and think about this idea of confidence. How John wants us to have, God wants us to have this kind of confidence in life until we stand before him one day. This is what he says in verse 28. And now. Little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want to give you three reasons we can be supremely confident today. And I want to point out, okay, this is, a, this is from scholars who know the Bible much better than me and all of these Greek words that the New Testament was written in, okay? The word for confidence in verse 29 is actually too weak, all right? It's just that we don't have another word that we can bring over and translate it to make it stronger. Okay? So we can say, and I'm going to talk about today about a supreme level of confidence, a high, high level of confidence that we can live with in this life as we prepare to go and meet Christ one day in the next life. Let me give you three reasons. Number one, we can be supremely confident because of how God has loved us. We can be supremely confident because of how God has loved us. You see, there's a common thread that runs through the first three verses. In verse 28, he says, little children. He's he's an an address of, of affection, right? He's saying, little children. Then he gives the instruction, abide in him. And he goes into verse 29, and he he, uh, says that they have been born of him. These little children have been born of God now. And then he goes on in verse three, uh, chapter, three of verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and he says that we are children of God. <coughs> hey, yo, just side note. You go with appendicitis three weeks later, and then you just come down with a common cold, you know, after that. It's just kind of the way, the, it's a fallen world we live in. Um, so, hey, praise God. 
I might have to chug this water a little bit more today, all right? Sorry, that has really nothing to do with the sermon except for the fact that I'm like struggling right now, so. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for water. All right, here we go. So, so that, that common thread, little children, born of him, children of God, it's all running through this passage that John gives us. And so what that tells us is this, is that God has, for everyone who looks to Christ and trusts in Christ, he has made us brand new on the inside to the point where we were once spiritually dead, but now we are spiritually alive. We've been totally made, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, new creations in Christ. So this is now our status. If you have placed faith in Jesus, okay, you are now a child of God. You have been born of him. The theological term for that is regeneration, okay? You've been made alive a second time, not in a physical sense, okay, but in a spiritual sense. And so the implication is amazing. We have been adopted into the family of God. You who once didn't belong to the family, now he has brought you in. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so listen, like, don't just hear this, like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. We know like the Lord's Prayer, we pray, pray to our Father. Like, no, this is not an empty title. This is not a sentimental phrase, okay, just to make us feel good, okay? What we're talking about here is God has put a roof over our head. God has said, come into my kitchen and open up my fridge. God has wrapped his arms around us. His affirming smile is upon us as our Father. God wants to sit on the side of your bed and give you counsel in night, just like a father or a mother does. Staggering thoughts when you consider how deep the father's love is. And I just, I want to read a few different translations of, of verse 1 of chapter 3. Because again, like this, this language, like I would encourage you, in fact, this is our quote-unquote meta-memo verse of the month, okay? Every single Sunday, if you look in our worship guide, actually, I'm glad I have this up here, all right? Um, at the very bottom of the sermon notes, okay, I know you're taking copious notes from this awesome sermon already, all right? But at the very bottom, it says meta-memo, and that's a word that you won't find in the dictionary, but it means meditate, memorize, okay? So we want to, meditation just means to think on again and again and again with the hope of as we do that, we will actually memorize, we will have it in our head, in our heart. And so the ESV says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Actually, that's the NIV. I actually chose the NIV because I love that language um, that, that the NIV has. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. The ESV, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. The, the New Living Translation, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children and that is what we are. The message, a, a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. John is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. He is, he is writing with a sense of wonder. Okay, He is amazed, 
staggered at the thought that the God of the universe, the one who flung the stars into the sky, would even not just care for us, okay, but bring us into his family with the full rights and privileges of sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ now. If we are in Christ, we, 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 his inheritance is our inheritance. And so I, I don't know about you, but I'm just, I just want to share this, okay? This, this good news of, of who God is and what he's done and how he has lavished his love on us, all right? It should cause us to leap for joy. It should cause tears to fall from our eyes. It should cause us to scratch our head and wonder in amazement, God, how could you do this? Like, especially when we consider who we are. Especially when we consider how far we strayed away from God. And yet that he would love us like this. I think, you know, like I, I did, I spent five days in the hospital a few weeks ago, and um, it was a blast, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, I had some interesting roommates, and there's like stories for other sermons, you know, like I have a bunch of sermon material now after this day. Um, but, you know, one thing they did, one thing they did, every, like when I got out of, you know, the little procedure, they were like every two hours, and it became every four hours, but at least at minimum every six hours, every time there was a new shift of a new nurse, okay, and those nurses were awesome, um, they would check my vitals, you know what I'm saying, blood pressure, temperature, and then put that little, you know, snug little, whatever that thing is called, all right, to check my pulse. <laughs> They're just checking my, like, checking my, as, as, I, as I learn, okay, I'm just, I'm a slow learner. Uh, clinical health, that's what it's called, it's called clinical health, like how, how healthy am I, like my vital signs. And so I'm just wondering, like, what would happen if, 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 if someone was able to, to, to put a, a spiritual what, what is that called, nurses? Like, what, what is it? Oximeter. Man, nobody else knew that either, all right? But when they put that oximeter, all right, you're supposed to research these things before you prepare a sermon, all right? But this is I'm going off the nose, all right? It's like when you put that oximeter, that's really good. Thank you, Teresa. She's been nursing. Okay. What's, what's your spiritual pulse? How often does it need to be checked? Because I'm just saying, like, they were concerned about my health. They, like, put that on every two, every four, every six hours. I'm just saying, like, God, just put it on me every minute if you have to because I want to be thriving with you. I want to be growing in you. I want this truth of how much you've loved me to move me, to, 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 to make me love you more and to love others more, to be so filled with your love. And so I think we could do far worse than to just stop and consider the love of God in Christ this morning. In fact, that's what John is trying to do. His very first word is see. It can be translated behold. In other words, let's, let's pause and consider how amazing is the love of God in Christ. Here are just a few thoughts. They're certainly not exhaustive, okay? The Bible is a, you know, a big book, 66 books in the Bible. It's one, one story, uh, 1,089 chapters, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and so there's so much to say that we can say about the love of God. But let me just give you a few thoughts, okay? Number one, God's love is a great love. This first phrase, see what kind of love, or see how great is the love. The, the, the original, like how it was used historically, it was like, of what country? 
Like in other words, like where does this come from? It's of such a foreign quality that I don't even know what to do with it. Wow. That's the, that's the love of God in Christ. It's the divine love. And let me just say this. Oh, man. Never look for that kind of love in another person. Some of you like, some of you are looking for a love that will satisfy your soul in another person. And that destination is a dead end. You're never going to find it. There's only one love that's so great of this kind of magnitude, of this kind of quality. It's the love of God in Christ. Number two, it's a generous kind of love. I love this word lavish. He lavished his love on us. In other words, he didn't hold back in, 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 any, in any measure. Okay, he, he has poured it out on us through his son. Number three, it is, a, it is an incomprehensible, infinitely expansive and transforming kind of love. I'll get this from Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. This is Paul's praying. This is a great way to pray for one another, by the way. Um, may, may we have strength to comprehend with all of the saints, okay, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? That's the infinitely expansive part, okay? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, okay? That's the incomprehensible part, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That's the transforming part, okay? It is, it is incomprehensible, it is infinitely expansive, and it is transforming. That's the love of God in Christ. I love what Brendan Manning said in a, a little book called Ragamuffin Gospel. He said that I can more easily contain Niagara Falls in a little teacup, okay? Just a teacup. I can more easily contain it in a teacup, then I can comprehend the wild and uncontainable love of God in Christ. It's mind-blowing. It's overwhelming. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's astounding. Can, can, we, just, can we just think about it for like 75 minutes on Sunday? This love is a fear-conquering love. All right, this is going to be the Christmas message, right? So I'm going to preach it right now. But like the love of God cast out fear, 1 John 4, 18. He is always with us. He is always there to, to, to help us conquer any fear because that's what love does. There's, no, there's perfect security in the love of God. This love is a go-the-distance kind of love. The refrain of the Old Testament, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding, not just like, not just stuff, abounding in steadfast love. This love will, will never leave you. This love is not scared of your sketchy past. It's an amazing kind of love, and this love is a love. Listen to this. This love is a love, I believe this, that is to die for. And what, what I mean by that is that uh, it's what the psalmist says. Okay? Like songs have a great way of poetically telling us truths about God. And what the psalmist says in Psalm 63, he says, because your love, okay, because God's love is better than life. Better than life. My lips will praise you. It's a praiseworthy kind of love. It's a love that, like, I would rather die than not have this love. 
It is that valuable. It is that much of a treasure. Behold, see what kind, how great is the love God has given to us. He's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. It's, it's, it's a little wonder that in verse 2, he's saying, hey, um, you know, uh, actually at the end of verse 1, he says, the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Like if, if God's love is this amazing and it's actually at work in us, then if, if they don't understand him, they're not going to understand what he's doing in our lives. But, but, but we can't stop there. Okay, and just want to give a preview because where John is going to go, okay, he really starts to talk about the love of God, okay? And when we get to our Advent series, we're going to change Radiant, the sermon series in 1 John, to a new series called Radiant Love because John is just going to keep talking about the love of God in Christ. And what he's going to do is he's going to flip the script and he's going to say, hey, it's not just about his love, it is about his love. He's going to keep talking about the love of God, but then he's going to talk about how that love should flow through us. So let me just give you a preview, all right? It's too good to pass up. Let us not love in word or deed, but in in, in, uh, in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He's shifting to our love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love because he has first loved us. And so just consider this, okay? Just consider this. If, if the love of God is this extraordinary, and we have received his love, not just in a little kind of measure, but in a lavish kind of sense, then shouldn't this extraordinary love, this great love, this marvelous love produce extraordinary and great and marvelous things in our lives? Yes. Thank you for saying yes. It was an easy answer, by the way. But thank you because you're excited. Like, yes. And so because of that, this love is loaded with amazing implications. And I just want to chase two really quickly off of this theme that we have been adopted. We have been called children of God now. You see, if, if God's love has come into our lives and changed us to be his children, then I think our chief and greatest desire should be that more and more people in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our friendships, in our families, okay, we should want more people who are not currently in the family of God to become adopted and then children of God like we are, brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, So like that should be one of the chief, like maybe we could say the chief focus of our life, the chief aim of our life. Like if Jesus is good and we are made to worship him, then one of the best ways we worship him is by helping other people see who he is. I love, I got a, I got a text from a, a new follower of Jesus, and I wish we all had this attitude uh, more consistently. This is, what, this is what they said to me. They, they, they said, um, listen, I, I, I just pray each night that what God has done in me, that, that, that my, my friends and family would see the light of Christ in me like you guys helped me to see it in him. What, what a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful desire. God, give us all that kind of desire. I mean, we're, we're beginning to pray more and more. Listen to this and write this down and please be praying for it, okay? We are praying that God would lead between, and this is, this is a wide margin, okay? We can, we can pray even for more than this. Let's certainly not go less than this, but like 30 to 50 people. Do you hear that? 30 to 50 people that would step into the life of Christ every single year moving forward in Redemption Hill Church. 
just like through our witness, just through our love, just through our serving people and sharing with people in, in everyday ways, in everyday conversations about this amazing love of God in Christ. And so can we pray for that, church? Like, can we, can we be about that? Can we pray that God would do that and more? And listen, as pastors, our goal is to not leave you hanging on this. In fact, uh, today, just right after church, we have this little equipped little seminar called Talking Jesus. It's going to be like, you know, lunch, 45 minutes, done. Um, but just to help you learn how to, in everyday conversations, be on mission to share Jesus with other people in your lives. We all need help. I do too. But it's not just spiritual orphans, but it is also physical orphans. You see, the love of God compels us to love others in very practical ways, to be agents of the mercy that we have received. And so today is Orphan Sunday, as you heard, as we started the service. Do we think about how so many children, from newborn babies through high school years, they have no father or mother or guardian to care for them? How, how, how much does that bother us? Just as the spiritual state of someone's soul should be uh, on our mind and, and in our prayers, so should the, the protection and the care and, the, and, and the, the, the future of these children be on our minds and in our prayers and in our hearts so that we're moving out and caring for them. James said it very well in chapter 1 of, of, of his book. He said, religion that is pure and faultless before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself polluted from the world. That's, that's pure and faultless religion. That's, that's pure and faultless uh, living before God, that we would care for those who need a father and a mother. Just, just consider some of these statistics. There are, there are 153 million orphans worldwide. There are 400 children in the U.S. foster care system. In Massachusetts alone, 8,700 children are in the foster care system. 2,800 of these have the goal of adoption. So in other words, like their parents are, they're, 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 as, as things stand, their parents are not coming back into the picture. The goal, like the beautiful goal of foster care is that the parents get back in the picture. That's our ultimate prayer. But there are already 2,800 currently today that that's not happening. Listen to this. John sent me this this morning. 60% of kids who age out of the foster care system, 60%, they will end up homeless, incarcerated, or die within a year. Within a year. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us? He lavished on us so that we would lavish it on others. God, help us. God, help us. This is a sincere prayer. This is not rhetoric. God, help us to care for the thousands and thousands and actually millions of people around greater Boston who have no relationship with you. God, and help us care for the hundreds and thousands of kids who have no relational home, a father and mother, to love and care for them. 
We need God's love to be so extraordinary, extraordinarily great in our lives that we extend it to others. And so John and Lee are going to share a little bit in a moment. And again, like just like we don't want to leave you hanging on the spiritual front, we don't want to leave you hanging on this mercy ministry front. Tonight at the Chastine's home, they're going to host coffee and conversations just to learn more about foster care, to learn more about adoption. And so would you consider going to learn more, to take a step, to learn how to pray, to learn how to serve and support these families, to actually maybe, we have, listen to this, this is something to celebrate, okay, like I'm coming strong and like let's move, all right, but let's pause, Pastor Tanner, and celebrate, hey, we have five either families or singles in our church that are currently in the foster care system process to care for kids. Isn't that amazing, church? Thank you. Let's get hyped about that, all right, and let's pray that that doubles over the next 12 to 24 months. Amazing. Thank you, God, for how you're moving people in our church. And so that was, uh, that was point one. Wow, what time did I start? I need to move fast. I need to move fast. I can because we're going to get a lot more point two next week. But, 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 but listen, we can not only be supremely confident because of how God has loved us, okay, but number two, we can be supremely confident because of who God is making us. Look back at verses 28 and 29. Little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence, not shrink from him that it is coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And so John is saying, like, you can live with confidence because of what God is doing in your life and what that is producing out of your life. So, so he says the secret, this is where the sermon ended last week. John loves this phrase. He keeps talking about it. I think he uses this, this word abide or remain or continue or dwell. He used like 20 times in this little five-chapter letter. Okay, And why does he do that? Well, as someone reminded me, I didn't really need the reminder, but they wanted it in the sermon last week, so I'm going to put it in the sermon this week. Okay? I love it when I get feedback on sermons. Okay? Like, what about John 15? Talk about abide. Like, John 15, Jesus, before he died. He shared these words with his closest followers. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. This was, this was Jesus' instruction. Abide in me. If, if you will abide as a branch, abide in the vine, this is how you will bear fruit for me. But then I was reading in uh, the Old Testament this week in Isaiah. Chapter 27, listen, listen to what God says in, 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 in Isaiah 27, verses 2 and 3. He says this, in that day, a pleasant vineyard is what we will see. And he says, it's so good, you're going to want to sing about it. Sing of it. And then, and then God says this, I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it lest anyone punish it. I keep it day and night. Listen, if you are in Christ, that is what God is doing for you. Every moment. That's the same picture, abide in me. Like every moment, it's not just us actively abiding in him and, and showing up on Sunday and reading our Bible and praying and living in community and being on mission and serving in all of these ways that we abide day by day and serving the poor and serving the, the homeless and serving the, the, the orphan, okay, and the widow. And all of these ways we abide in Christ, we fan the flame of the gift of God that is within us, okay? But as we do all of that, as we, as Paul says in Philippians 2, sorry, I'm giving you so much scripture, but it's good for us, right? As we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, guess what? It is God who is working in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
So, so as we abide in him, he is working and he is watering moment by moment and giving us everything we need to thrive in life. That's really good news. And, and so as, as, we, as we abide in him, then that the, the righteous character of Christ is going to show up in our lives. And we are, in these words, we are going to practice what is right. We are going to practice righteousness. We're not going to practice it with the perfection of Jesus, that, that he, like, Jesus never sinned. He was completely righteous. He, was, he always did what was right. He always thought what was right. But at the same time, in increasing measure, we are going to reflect him and resemble him in our speech, in our love, in our actions, day by day, God is going to produce that in us. Verse 3 of chapter 3 goes on to say, like, as we, as we have this hope for Jesus coming back and, and for us to be made like him, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so listen, the, the standard for purity is as high as it can go. Jesus is our standard. He is our standard of righteousness. He is our standard for purity. And we want to be righteous as he is righteous. We want to be pure as he is pure. Now, now let me just real quick, let me just give you a few tips, all right? Number one, this is not easy. You, you already knew that. But, but, but you need to hear that, all right? This is not easy. It's not easy for anybody. In fact, the Bible goes so far to say it's a war. It is a war. There's a spiritual battle going on for us to live like Jesus. And so what we need is God's strength to move us forward to live like him and be pure as he is pure. So, 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 so in very clear terms, we have to put off what doesn't look like Jesus, and we have to put on what does look like Jesus. We actually not just have to put it off, we have to put it to death. And so let me just say this before we move on to point three. This is sin when we don't live rightly, when we deviate from God's right path for us, okay, sin will steal the vibrancy of your abiding in Christ, your relationship with Christ. It, it, sin, will, sin, sin will steal it. it. It's not that the relationship is, is gone, okay? The, the relationship is not severed. There's just friction there. There's, there, there. There are things that need to be cleared up. Just like every human relationship, when we offend one another, we have to clear that up. We have to, to, to come back together. And that's why we ask forgiveness from God. So we have to take this seriously. That's my encouragement. We have to take this seriously. But at the same time, just as sin will disrupt that harmonious relationship with God, so will purity fuel our relationship with God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They'll experience more of God. Every day as they move about their business, they're going to have more of Him at work in their lives. And so what, what John is trying to do, okay, he is trying to build confidence and instill confidence to say, look, look at the pattern of your life. Look at the practices, okay? If we had a video camera, we would see some, like, bumps in the road. We would see all of us, all right, like, blow it and say things we wish we didn't say and do things we wish we should, wouldn't have done, okay? But, but the, 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 the idea is that we're progressively becoming more like Jesus. And John says, as you see that happening in your life, hey, you can be sure that the Spirit of God is in you and you are a child of God. Be supremely confident because of what God is making you. 
who God is making you. And then, and then finally, be supremely confident because of where God is taking you. Not just, not just who God is making you, but listen, where God is taking you. And this is from verses 2 and 3. Read it, read it one more time. It says, but beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Let me just stop right there. This is so good, all right? We are children of God. We have been given this amazing love. All of this is ours currently, today, now. And what John is saying is the best is yet to come. What we're going to be is better than who we already are, what we're already experiencing. This is our hope in Christ. And what is that hope? He goes on and he says, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I was reading a commentary this week. It's just like the scholars that write all of these thoughts about these verses, okay? It's all the commentary is. And, and it was said that one, one missionary, okay, who was, who was serving, uh, you know, the mission of God uh, in another faraway land, okay, it said that they were ch- helping the, the natives translate these verses so that they would have these verses for themselves, all right? And it says that when they came to this phrase, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. They dropped their pens and cried out, no, it can't be. Let us write, rather, we shall kiss his feet. The thought that we will be like Christ is absolutely amazing and overwhelming. And what that means is not that we will be little gods like Mormonism teaches us, okay? It's not that at all. What it means is that we will be so spiritually united with Christ, freed from not just the penalty of our sin, that's what happens when we were made a a child of God, okay? But we are also freed from the presence and power of sin in our lives, that we'll be so spiritually united with Christ that we will resemble him in a way like we never have before, that's what awaits us in our glorified state, in, the, in the, the future when we meet Christ, either by him appearing and returning in majestic form as God without disguise in the word of C.S. Lewis, or when we die and our souls go to be with him. We will be changed in a moment. And so we can have supreme confidence today. Listen, I hope you're encouraged. We can have supreme confidence because of how God has loved us, because of who God is making us, and because of where God is taking us. And so what I want to do today, I'm going to invite Dan and the team to come out. And I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing of who we are now in Christ. We're going to sing of this amazing change that God has brought us. And we're going to praise God for who he is and what he has done. So let's pray together and let's sing with all of our hearts in light of this magnificent, marvelous love of God in Christ. Father, we are so grateful that you have poured out your love on us. And so God, would you continue your good work? Would you continue to change us? Would you continue All of this, not so that people can look and say, wow, how amazing these people are, but so that as we are going about your business, we are practicing your righteousness, we are loving the orphan, as we are loving people who need to know you, that people would say, wow, God is at work in their life. God is at work in their church. 
And so, God, may we be a people that is so saturated with you, so saturated with you that people make no mistake that God is there and that God is changing them. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.